So when Matthew asked me to do this, it was before the great January decrease. <laughs> During which I obtained my annual sinus infection. <laughs> so um, I don't know. We'll we'll go with this and my dog thinks I bark at her a lot. <laughs> so I'm really not going to be barking here, but I'm going to try not to. So our text for the day is Titus, or out of the book of Titus. And we might ask the question, okay, who was Titus and why did he get a book? Okay. And Titus is an associate of the Apostle Paul. And he probably uh, followed Paul through most of the, mi- the mission trips that Paul did and became trusted by Paul enough that Paul left him in charge of churches they planted in that process and requested that he come to Rome when Paul was a prisoner there. And the last thing we know about Titus is that he was heading to present-day Serbia to church plant. And so he was also a Gentile, which kind of makes him interesting. There were a couple others in that category. But in terms of coming out of the Jewish tradition of which Christianity was rooted and going into a Gentile world, okay, Titus was, uh, uh, how do I say that, a, a product of what Jesus had done to open up, to invite the entire world into his kingdom. And he comes from Antioch. That's the first place that we know of him or that we hear of him. And uh, it was at Antioch where, um, I don't know how to say that, there was a disagreement between Paul and Peter over eating fried chicken in the church basement with the Gentiles. Okay? And that's the best way I can put that. But Paul writes to him, and we're going to start in uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Back when God, our, back when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out a new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously God's gift was restored, our relationship with him, and has given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on all this. I want you to put your foot down and take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Okay. So we have to take a minute and remember Paul. He thought he knew the direction his life was going. And he wanted 
to be pleasing to God. And following his direction led him to become God's enemy. Does that make sense? And the most incredible statement that he makes when God encounters him is, Who are you, Lord God? That's what the statement is. In other words, he didn't know who he was encountered by, but he knew it was the Lord God. And there's a number of things that follow, one of which was he says, I knew a man who was taken into the third heaven. And he comes back, and he says, God is going to start saving Gentiles. And that got him kicked out of everything. Okay? So, the first statement that Paul makes here is that God makes the way. Okay? Now, this is really important because over the years... I've seen so many people lose the way when events took a certain turn. So let's let's think about this for a minute. Who is the way? Jesus is the way. Okay? And we're headed toward Jesus. We're headed in the direction of Jesus. But things happen, and sometimes we get lost. Now, <clears throat> how many people here know what a lensatic compass is? One, two. Okay. Well, I grew up in Colorado, and I have a lensatic compass. I also have my father's lensatic compass. And a lensatic compass is a compass that has a direction finder on it, and a rotation bezel, which allows you to measure angles in relation to the way. Okay? And so this is what it comes down to, is all of us are going the way. But each of us are working on our path. And the lensatic compass, when you're in the mountains allows you to navigate your path without losing the way. Does that make sense? Did I do that okay, Trey? All right. See, Trey's just recently become an Eagle Scout, and uh, I have great faith (laughs) in his experience with uh, things like the Linsatic Compass. Okay. We go the way with a bowed head and a bent knee. Now, this is really important because when we encounter Jesus, like Paul did, the only way that we enter into relationship with him is by bowing our head, becoming humble before our king, and bending our knee, which I would do except I've got this knee here that was out of some medical catalog. (laughs) And the doctor told me, whatever you do, don't get down on your knee. (laughs) And so, anyway, bowing the knee means we're going to serve our king. Does that make sense? 
So we enter into the direction, we enter into the path that we choose to go the way by bowing our head and bending our knee. Okay. The way is the goal of our path. Jesus is the goal of the path that we take. And what happens when life turns bad, okay, is that sometimes we we say, okay, I've had enough of this path that I'm on. It is so rocky and it is so going left today and going right tomorrow that I I'm going to I'm going to pick a better path. And the result of that is that oftentimes we lose the way. Because we want maybe an easier path, maybe a path that has more success for us. When John Wimber died, I knew pastor after pastor in the vineyard that went to get a Ph.D. And, and this is one of those things. John oftentimes felt and expressed his inability to theologically respond to the technical questions that were asked of him. And the men around him decided to go get a Ph.D. so they, they could do that. Does that make sense? John had to rely upon God. He had to rely upon his relationship with Jesus. And sometimes that is just so hard, we think we'll find a different path. Does that make sense? And I don't know, sometimes a degree... (laughs) makes it easier to say things people aren't going to find fault with. I really don't think it will. Okay? But, so, life is restored relationship by the Holy Spirit. Paul says that. Life is restored relationship by the Holy Spirit. Because of what God has done in my life, I have peace with God. I'm no longer his enemy. Does that make sense? And and he's saying to Titus, don't forget this. This is life. So, one of the things that's happened in my lifetime is that Following the Wesley brothers, much of the hymnody of the church became theological. Okay, one of the Wesley brothers wrote a song for every sermon his other brother preached in order to help the crowd that was there remember the theological points of the sermon. And we sang those songs for years and years and years. And then in the 1900s, there began to be a change in the music. And the music of the church became more of a relational, God word 
communication. And we began to see two things coming out of these hymns. We began to see people declaring the goodness of God. God, you are so good. And the other thing we began to see is people saying about their personal relationship with God. God, I love you. And in the moments of that worship, we began to see that God is good in our lives. We began to experience it. We began to taste it. Got it? Maybe, maybe you felt some of that as you've worshipped in your life. But relationship with God began to take a shift because we needed a God that wasn't theological as much as he was relational. And Paul says, light is relationship with God. And he says, Titus, remember this. Okay. And he says, life is good. Now, now just dwell on that for a minute. Is it good to be in good relationship with God? And he says, this is what is good for everyone. To live in a relationship where our relationship personally and our relationship as a community is good with God. Now, one of the things in my life is that I've been up and down I-74, I don't know how many times, we were in Champaign for a number of years. I helped plant the first vineyard that went in at Bloomington. Uh, I've been down to St. Louis. I've been, you know, over to Marion. Uh, and it is good that community is bigger than just the, the, the folks gathered in the four walls here. Okay? Or even those on the... Uh, internet watching. The community is God's people. And it is good to have good relationship with God, with his people. Okay. And then uh, the point is, this series is about worship. And worship is worth-ship. Okay? What is the worth of that relationship with God? If, if I had a, a gold cougaran, we would all recognize the color and the weight of the metal to be a value. Does that make sense? What is the worth of this relationship with God that has cleaned us inside and out, that has changed our lives, that has brought us from being God's enemy to God's friend? 
And so I have a list of things here which I'm going to call practices. One is worshiping or loving God. And when we began to worship God, something transforms our lives when we begin to say yes to who God is and to what he's doing in our life. Oh, God. I I, I say to people sometimes, worship is what happens between the cracks. And so the, the song is going, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And then there's a moment between the next line of the song where we go, inside of ourselves, God, you are so good. And we're just like for a moment someplace else. Surrounded or bathed in the goodness of God. And that changes everything. Saying yes to that goodness, the goodness of God brings a flood into us. And that flood in us changes our heart. It made a, excuse me, it made a tremendous difference in my life. Okay? Worshiping, living our yes to God. So we're not just singing and saying yes. We're not just experiencing a yes. We're living our yes. Okay? And so what does it mean to live our yes? It means to listen to the Holy Spirit, to listen to what God may say to us. I was really angry one time. This best friend of mine did me bad. And I was ready to pray the David prayer. I just want to know, you to know that there are prayers in the Bible that you sh- they should be in a box that says open only in case of emergency. <laughs> and many of those prayers are David prayers. And I was ready to say, God, would you judge between him and me? You never want that to happen, folks. Never. Because what happens is both of you get sifted. Okay? And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, you know, you're going to have to forgive him sooner or later. (laughs) And the truth of that statement rocked me. And I grew up in kind of a practical place where we tried to raise crops and do dairy. And and I thought, well, if it's sooner or later, maybe I should start working on sooner. Although everything in me wanted to put it off as long as I could. And so living the yes to God means that we're willing to listen to his voice, to his input into our lives. Okay? It means looking, seeing what God is doing. Now, I I find this incredibly helpful sometimes because as I prayed for people, and that's been one of my major focuses in ministry for years now, 
is as I prayed the people and they walked toward me to get prayer, all of a sudden sometimes I see what God has done in their life or is doing in their life. And that helps me have insight. The first time I landed in the city of London, I saw London not as a city of another country, but I saw London as a place where God had been at work for hundreds of years. And it gave me such courage because we were going there to see God work. And if if it was God's heart to do something in the city of London, I was in the right place. (laughs) And so this farm boy from central Illinois, a thousand miles from the nearest vineyard, I, I just had a wonderful time in London. Because I knew that God was working in the lives of every person there. And forgiving. Forgiveness, mercy, is the currency of heaven. You know, if I took a dollar out of my wallet and I held that up, the currency of the United States is a dollar. If post Biden were twenty dollars, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I went a little too far there. What I'm trying to say is that we have a way that we spend, a way that we value, and we came into the way because we were forgiven. That makes sense? And we value forgiveness by forgiving. Forgive us as we forgive others. That makes sense? And so we value what God is doing by listening, looking, by forgiving. What God has done in my life is a value that I spread around. Does that make sense? If I won the lottery, I think I would be guilty of handing it out. When my first son was born, I had this giant box of chocolate bars in my pickup truck. (laughs) And everywhere I went, I wanted to tell the good news and proclaim My life has been changed by a relationship. And I want you to know that, and I want you to celebrate that with me. Does that make sense? Okay. My daughter told me I should not say, are you with me? (laughs) So that's the last time. Okay. The result of this is that we need to plan less and follow more. Now, that doesn't mean we don't plan. It means that we trust in our plans less, and we trust in following God more.
Doing God's will is going his way. I'm back to the compass. Okay? Doing God's will allows us to keep our eye on Jesus, to keep our path as it wanders back and forth on Jesus and going the direction of Jesus. It is also valuing what God is doing in our life and valuing, worthing, worthship is worship. Going his way is worship. It's valuing his direction. It's living his life. So this is from Luke. Um, the scroll of Isaiah is handed to Jesus in the tabernacle. And he opens it to this place and says, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. Send me to announce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the burdened and the battered free and to announce, this is God's time to shine. He shines in us and he shines through us. Let's pray. God, first off, I ask that you would have mercy on us. That you would have mercy on us and renew us. That the power of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that brought us into the way would live on us every day. And that that power would be real and changing, that it would continue to change, that it would continue to allow us to adjust the path that we walk every day. And the power of that change, the power of that mercy would prepare us for what you're doing tomorrow and celebrate what you're doing today. I had a friend one time, and he was a preacher. And he was upset because it appeared God was doing something, and he wasn't sure it was God. And the problem that we have is that when something like that happens, we don't say, is this you, God? We don't pray the prayer like Paul says. Who are you, God? Lord, God. But it's easy for us to say, I don't like what you're doing, God. Okay? I, I have told God sometimes, I don't like what you're doing. 
forgive me. Change me. Help me to like the things that you like. Help me celebrate. Oh Lord, renew us. Day after day after day. Fill us with hope. And bring us home.